dry as the inside of a woodpecker's boarding house. This week on All Tunes, it's a look back at this podcast, as it's been so far, through the words of the island musicians I've had the very special privilege to sit down with for interviews. We'll revisit their tunage, too. Yous ready, PEI? Let's get her done! Happy New Year, Prince Edward Island. I'm your host, Adam Michael James, and you are listening to Isle Tunes for the week of December 31st, 2023. How is that even possible? I thought we just rang in 2023. But what can you do? It's like my dad used to say, life is like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the faster it goes. Damned if that's not a phrase. And he wasn't even an Islander. He was from Pittsburgh. But you can't block the TikTok. So as we head into 2024, God help us, why don't we flash back to some of the PEI artists I got a chance to talk to in 2023. Yeah, okay, it's a clip show. But maybe you didn't get to hear these fine folks the first time round. Even if all iTunes episodes are available for streaming whenever and wherever you want. Work with me. So as to not highlight one artist over another, I'm going to feature them chronologically. First, you'll hear what they had to say when I thrust a microphone in front of them, then the song of theirs that ties in with their interviews. It might be taking the lazy way out, but hey, even I deserve a break, and I am sitting here recording new lead-ins for you. So, let's start with my guest from August 20th, 2023. Altoons' second episode, by the way. A guest who just happens to have one of the longest histories on this here island we call home. I drove out to his studio in Guernsey Cove where he regaled me with tales of what it was like to play with The Who and how he evolved from recording his own songs to recording artists that number in the triple digits. Of course, I'm talking about Gordon Belcher, and if he isn't PEI, I don't know who is... Sitting down with Altoons. And those are just some of the island events happening this week. Speaking of island events, my guest this week is one. <laughs> I could attempt to summarize his almost 60-year career, but it would take up the entire podcast. From his first band in 1964 to touring around the world, from group albums to solo albums to recording 120 albums for other artists, from his 2014 Music PEI Lifetime Achievement Award to his most recent album, Aging Gracefully. This man shows no signs of slowing down. And live from his Guernsey Cove studios, it's none other than Gordon Belcher. Gordon, I'm truly honored to have you here on Altoons. Well, thanks an awful lot. Good to be here. Now, you and your band, uh, The Heat, opened for The Who in 1968, yes. a year, be- year before I was born. <laughs> you were 18, right? The 17, 18? 17, okay. yeah, yeah. What must that have been like as a teenager? Oh, man, of course it was over the moon. They were gods to us. Right? You know. <laughs> that too. Still, yeah. They still are, Pete Townsend and... Roger is still doing the things. Yeah, and, and so are you. You visited PEI in 1974, correct? 74. Uh, my, uh, Charlene, my wife, uh, her her mom's from Summerside. Oh, okay. So we came down to visit her grandparents, and that was it for me. I just that was it for you. Yeah, yep, that's how it happens. You moved here in 78, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've been here ever since. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> the studio itself, um, how long has that been here? Since uh, the early 80s. Oh, wow. Mid-80s, we did... Uh, I had a four track uh, in here and then went to the 16 track and then digital. So it's been since it's 
since the early 80s. Right, so, so to whatever's next after digital. How did you make the transition from recording your own projects to recording uh, other artists' projects? Uh, the first project was for a choir, uh, and I just took my four track up to the church and we recorded that, and I thought, oh, this is kind of cool. <laughs> and then uh, recorded another singer, and then uh, eventually, well, when I got to the 16 track, then I had to make it uh, uh, worthwhile. So I uh, started recording other artists, and it's been great. How would you say your own music has evolved over the years? Wow. Um, well, I started out playing rock and roll, of course, in the 60s. Uh, really a uh, British, British uh, uh, influence there. The British groups of the 60s, like the Who and the Beatles and the Kinks and the Yardbirds and like definitely the British Invasion kind of thing. So when we moved down to PEI, we thought, well, we'll do a little bit more folky music. So... And it's evolved ever since that. And now it's pretty eclectic. <laughs> um, now you're playing at home. Mm -hmm. um, you're doing a solo performance, Peaks Key, August 25th. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, the Monday Night uh, Back Home Tonight series at Stanley Bridge Hall. Yeah, that's the main What one. inspired this series and what can people expect? Well, Todd and I, like my son-in-law, Todd McLean, uh, plays... The one and only. Yes. He's, uh, he's an amazing musician all around. And we asked uh, Cynthia McLeod and uh, Courtney Hogan Chandler to join us uh, at the Cayley and uh, as it evolved because not Todd nor Courtney nor Cynthia could do the whole summer they had to so we thought well let's just do three of us and combine it and so, switch it up and switch depending it up depending on the week right depending on the week so uh, so that's worked out really well Good. Really well. So it depends on which Monday night you show up. You're going to get a different combination. But yeah. Except this one. He'll always be there. <laughs> I'll be there. Because <laughs> if he wasn't, uh, that would be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, how is your Peaks Key gig on the 25th different? Uh, I've been doing the Peaks, uh, the Peaks Wharf there. Uh, this is the 18th year, actually. And it's a, it's a fundraiser for the Children's Wish Foundation. And again, I'm alternating between Todd and uh, Cynthia and Allison Giggy is the other fiddler. That oh, I okay. Yeah. Um, final question: What is next? I mean, can we expect another album in the not too distant future? Maybe a greatest hits or a best of? Uh, well, that's kind of what the aging gratefully was all about. I, I had half a dozen new songs that I wanted to put on a recording, so I did that, and I thought, well, what am I going to fill the rest of it with? So I used uh, used things from from the past going right back might as to well it. And, it, and it fits perfectly see what i get for not doing all my homework <laughs> getting a b minus for this assignment <laughs> um of course if you want to know more about gordon's storied history he has a, a very well documented uh story on his website guernseycove.ca now of course it's hard to pick from your extensive discography so i've settled on cradle of canada from your 2014 vagabond minstrel album would you like to set that one up Yes, it was uh, uh, the sesquicentennial project. Uh, the province was looking for an anthem to celebrate the 150th anniversary of the original meeting of the Fathers of Confederation in 1864. So I came up with that tune, submitted it, and it was a top ten finalist. And it's right here on iTunes. Thank you, Gordon. Thanks a lot. Prince Edward Island, cradle of Canada The dreams of our forefathers so long ago For a new generation of daughters and sons Building a nation, this place we call home
Lane McDonald led a small delegation. Confederation is the future, said he. Sharing their vision, they laid the foundation. Now proudly we stand, the true North strong and free. Prince Edward Island, cradle of Canada, the dreams of our forefathers so long ago. For a new generation of daughters and sons, the birth of a nation, this place we call home. And songs about fishers and farmers And green rolling fields quilted bed of red clay Kind souls and strong hands looking out for your neighbor Never wanting to leave, always longing to stay Prince Edward Island, cradle of Canada The dreams of our forefathers so long ago For a new generation of daughters and sons Building a nation, a place to call home Building a nation, this place we call home Edward Island, cradle of Canada, facing the future with each passing day. There's a new generation of daughters and sons, never wanting to leave and longing to stay. Prince Edward Island, cradle of Canada, the dreams of our forefathers so long ago. For a new generation of daughters and sons, Building a nation, this place we call Prince Edward Island, cradle of Canada, the dreams of our forefathers so long ago. For a new generation of daughters and sons, building a nation, this place we call home. For the birth of a nation, this place we call Prince Edward Island, the cradle of Canada. Gordon Belcher with Cradle of Canada, his 2014 love letter to the island, which, to remind you, was also his entry for PEI's Song Search celebrating the 150th anniversary of the Fathers of Confederation meetings and hitting top 10 in the contest at that. They say good things happen in threes, so let's add two more PEI legends to these festivities. Patricia Richard rose to francophone fame as part of Panu and Oda Lacadie and Lenny Gallant. The guy got one of his songs played on the friggin' space shuttle. Is there really anything else to say there? In 2019, Lenny and Patricia formed Sirene Matelot, or The Siren and the Sailor, to the mostly French challenged, like myself. And late this summer, they put out a second record, Un Monde de Dissonance, which they were generous enough to come talk to me about. From the September 3rd episode of Altoons, episode number 4, incidentally, Patricia Richard and Lenny Gallant as Sirene Matelot. And... Yeah, I was a little nervous. Wouldn't you be? 
Okay, now live from the Tunes studios, otherwise known as my basement, I want to introduce two island performers who need no introduction. Why do people always say that and then go ahead and do the introductions anyway? Go figure. <laughs> I have no idea. But seriously, um, now she was first on an album as part of Panu back in 1984 and played in Oda Lakadi in 2004. He debuted in 1988, which led to 13 solo albums and being named to the Order of Canada. Together, they are Sirene et Matelot, the mermaid and the sailor to non-French speakers. I'm humbled to welcome Patricia Richard and Lenny Gallant to the Altoon Studios. I can't thank you enough for being here. This is awesome. Oh, we're really wow. happy to be here. Thanks for having us. <laughs> nice to meet you. Now, you've just released uh, Sirene and Matelot's uh, second album, Un Monde de Dissonance, uh, following its debut effort in 2019. How is this new album different from the first? I think it's a little more exploratory. Uh, I think, uh, and, and we uh, had a little more fun with the instrumentation on this one. I like to think this one is, uh, we, we kind of, look at each song as it's almost like a it, it is an entity unto itself like it is a story and and we use different colors for for each song you know and so it it makes it interesting so uh, um you know the, the the songs themselves seem to have a, a character musically as well as lyrically that's know? awesome yeah. yeah and we also explored um, experiences that we had with some friends like there's a lot of stories in this album as well uh for example his connection with Jimmy Buffett and Jimmy Buffett's friend, uh, Johnny Holiday, who's a... Right, that's one of the tracks. Yeah, he's a very popular, famous uh, singer in France who passed away in 2017. Johnny Holiday would be, in the Francophone world, Johnny Holiday would be like Buffett is in the English world. And, and uh, when uh, Jimmy was, he wanted to write an homage to him, so he asked me if I could help out because I had spent some time in St. Bart, so I knew the territory. And uh, so he asked me to help him out with uh, writing the song, so it was cool. That's really amazing. That's, I don't even have words for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've uh, been quoted as saying, at least on the website, that uh, sometimes great beauty can come from dissonance in the world. Um, does that dissonance appear musically on the album? And um, how do your concerns about the uh, world transition into uh, what you called appreciating the beauty around us? I think we, in one song in particular, the title song, we actually tried to make it ever so slightly dissonant. You can't get too dissonant, or it's not just not going to sound good. But we were we were making efforts to hold on to a to a piece of music longer than normally you would, just so that it would have that little little edge yeah, of not quite follow uh, the chord. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, subconsciously, so and you know something's a little different because yeah. it seemed to suit the storyline. You know, again and. Uh, and in the chorus, you know, it, it talks about, well, you know, uh, there's a lot of rain in your life, but there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of beauty there, too. And sometimes you can, sometimes uh, uh, out of uh, dissonance will come great beauty, you know. And uh, so I think that's kind of what the theme of the, uh, if there is a theme, that's more or less what the theme of the album is. That's true. And sometimes you can't really appreciate the beauty unless you've been through the dissonance. That's true. As for the rest of the album, um, do any uh, real life e events or experiences uh, inspire any of the lyrics on the album? Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I love the story of Kirsten Neuschaefer, our, our yeah. very good friend. You tell the story. You tell it well, so well. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting she's, in the middle of that. <laughs> she's making me talk more in this interview because in all the most of the interviews, of course, we've done for the Frank of One album are in French, and I let her take, yeah. the, take, <laughs> take, take the lead. So she said, okay, you're going to do the act. Um, <laughs> Kirsten Neuschaefer is a South African uh, adventurer, an amazing uh, woman, amazing spirit. 
she uh, she decided that uh, she wanted to enter probably the most dangerous sailing race in the world, to sail solo around the world, uh, all by yourself in a boat that measures no more than 36 feet. And when you leave land, you have to take everything with you. You cannot touch land again. You cannot communicate, have no communication with the world while, while you're on this all the way around the world. You're all alone. And you can only use navigation from before 1967, which was the year of the first race of the Golden Globe. While she was going around Cape Horn, possibly one of the more dangerous spots in sailing in the entire world, I wrote a song about her. Uh, and uh, she had no idea that she was in first place when she got to the finish line in France, all the way around the world. And when she crossed the finish line in Sable de Lone in France, uh, they were blasting a recorded version of my song over the sound system. Which oh, that's amazing. In. And uh, that's the first time she was aware that I had written a song for her. And my dad was a fisherman, he yeah. is a retired fisherman, so I have a connection and grew up by the water. So we have this affinity, to yeah. this connection with the with the ocean and the water, and that's probably and where Sirene yeah. it's, 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 it's like It's kind of more of the siren and the sailor than a mermaid. With The sirens are, in, in mythology, are, the, are these mythical creatures that that would sing these beautiful songs and lure hapless sailors to to crash their boats upon the rocks you know that's but, we uh, like to joke about that because you know the siren you know being in control of the the sailor and she runs things and she doesn't <laughs> i see how this works now okay speaking of which um nice segue um you both obviously have long established careers of your own um how is the sound of your work together different from your solo material Pro yeah, I probably would go places that were were uh, as Lenny Gallant. I, I may not, I may not go musically because I, you know, that's not something I want to do. But it's something we can do because all the, you know, all the rules are different and all the barriers mm -hmm. are down and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, I know from personal experience that it can be challenging when two creative, passionate people, you know, try to work together. <laughs> I can certainly detest to that. Um, does that factor into your process at all, and how do you handle that? I'll let you file. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been almost seven years now, I guess, that we're, we're a couple. So I think things are definitely at that comfort level, which is kind of a good thing because we, we don't have to hide behind anything. Like, we can be pretty honest and, and blunt with each other. Like, if we're working on a song, oh, I don't like that. And, you know, you don't have to walk on eggshells as much because we know each other so well. And, yeah, and you understand each other a lot. Yeah, more we, too. and we know that if one person says, "I don't want to do that" or "I don't like that," it's for the it's for the the good of the project and the good, yeah. of, the good of the song and, you know, yeah. in general. So, yeah. So and, I uh, think I think it works out good. I, and I think what really helps is that we we have a lot of faith in each other as well. Like I respect him so much as a songwriter and an artist, and I I mean I say that openly all the time. Like I feel so lucky to be able to to create with him because I just think he's a master and I'm, I'm learning so much of writing songwriting with him so well I, I learn a lot too and, and she 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 puts us <clears throat> does not understand how amazing she is as both as a songwriter and a co-writer and, and uh, so yeah it's a, I think it's a good collaboration mutual respect yeah. but there's some and, hard moments oh, it's yeah. not always perfect yeah, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> we won't talk and about I won't delve into it. This we is won't not... talk about the times we want to strangle each other, but that's okay. <laughs> those are normal. Yeah. Those are completely normal. I think normal. everybody has those moments. Oh, my God, yeah. Well, yeah. especially, again, being two creative, passionate people, yeah. you know, that's, you know, that creates the, the good stuff. And sometimes, you know, 
it's like the tectonic plates when they bump up against each other. But yeah. you know, ultimately, yeah. ultimately, you make a mountain out of mm-hmm. that. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I, yeah. I like and and in, in French, I mean, <laughs> lyrically, I, I I could never come up with these songs without Patricia there. You know, I think it it uh, it is a really great collaboration. I think mm-hmm. in the, for the French stuff in particular. Mm-hmm. So um, we are going to play a song from this new album, the title track, uh, <laughs> Un Monde uh, de Dissonance. Mm-hmm. Would you like to set up that song for us? Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek song in a way. Uh, and uh, it, it's it's the title song for the album, but probably the most, I don't know, not uh, slightly humorous in a way. It's, it's, it's this couple who are discussing their philosophy of life using very well-known aphorisms and and uh, he uh, says she says he says she says and she thinks this way and i think this way but and you know and and talking about the uh uh, some of the dissonance in in the world but then in the in the chorus j'aime le son de la pluie qui tombe sur les feuilles uh, I love the sound of the rain when it when it falls on the leaves in the morning, you know. And even though it's it's raining, it's it's, it's a beautiful life kind of thing. And and their love for each other, I think, comes through in the song, in a little even though they're teasing each other somewhat. Mm-hmm. Right here in the Altoon Studios, Lenny Galant, Patricia Richard. I'm gonna go and die now. And this is an Altoon's world premiere. <laughs> Et quelques 
title track from Sirene Matelot's sophomore effort just out in September. That's Anon de Dissonance on iTunes. Leave it to these two to line a song about a dissonant world with hope. Speaking of hope, hope you got to catch them on one of their many stops during their tour through the Maritimes this fall. Before we leave September, in 2021, September 30th was designated as the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, honoring survivors of residential schools and those who never came back from them. The orange shirt taken from student Phyllis Jack Webstad on her first day of such schooling and never returned became a symbol of the forced assimilation of Indigenous children into Canadian society overall, and we are encouraged to wear one on that day. To help elevate this new and important statutory holiday, I invited the one and only Julie Pellissier-Lush to come and talk about it and one of the songs from the Mi'kmaq Heritage Actors written about missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls and two-spirit. Necessary as the somber material was, Julie and I had some fun too. Meeting and talking to her was a true honor. Here's our discussion from the October 1st episode, number 8 as it were, of All Tunes. <laughs> Now, as you hopefully know, September 30th is the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. So I wanted to mark that here on iTunes. And what better way to do that than to talk with Onue uh, knowledge keeper, Julie Pellissier-Lush. You cannot do a search on PEI Indigenous anything without her name coming up. And so she had to be here. I'm so happy that you're here, Julie. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. This is really an important day and an an important meeting for us. Hey, I I feel like I've known you a long time already. Um, Now, your your credits are like yay long. You're an actress. You are an author of uh, My Mi'kmaq Mother and several more books. Uh, You wrote uh, the poems that became the basis for the Mi'kmaq legend show. Where do we even start? <laughs> Maybe you can um, talk to us about your role at uh, Olnue, and we'll go from there. With Olnue, I am the knowledge keeper, which means that I am the one who was asked and selected by Olnue to be the voice in different committees across PEI, to be the teacher and sharer of teachings and culture and knowledge in different community organizations, different government organizations. I go and do cultural workshops and I have cultural sensitivity, cultural knowledge and cultural teachings that I, I provide for different places to make sure that they're working on gaining a better understanding of who we are as indigenous people here on PEI. Why don't we talk about um, your music? Because um, you are featured on several albums, not just as a writer, but as a performer. Yes, we have uh, been working very, very diligently since 2011, working with elders, working with drum groups, trying to learn the old traditional Mi'kmaq songs and chants and dances for our young dancers. And it takes a lot of work and a lot of time. Like we'll dedicate usually our winters to working with elders and working with drum groups and and asking them to teach us new material and being able to share that. But it was, uh, it's hard work and being able to learn a new song is one thing. Being able to learn a new song 
in an old language that a lot of us aren't really familiar with. We want to be and we're trying to be, but we're not 100%. And, and to be able to learn this and be able to perform it, not just in front of non-Indigenous audiences, but in front of Indigenous audiences who do know the language. And you really want to make sure that you have your pronunciation, your pauses, and all those other things right. Because it's so concrete and it's so it's so solid that those little nuances are also, you don't, you're not just learning a word, you're learning what that word means to a whole group of people and, and how the, the connotations, the intonation, how you're saying it, how fast you say it, how slow you say it, all mean something different. And so we are learning that and we had our first CD recorded uh, this winter, this past winter, on the coldest day in February, it was absolutely freezing, but we got it done, and now we put our name in for an award with Music PEI, and oh, we great. got it, yes. Community Contributor of 2023, and I have just submitted a few entries into the ECMAs, awesome. so under Children's and under Indigenous, so... I'm hoping that we have an opportunity to let these little ones just shine with the work that they've accomplished on this on these tracks. It is at the Indigenous PEI store on Grafton, Grafton Street. Yep. And I just read on, on social media that they are going to be closing their doors at the end of September. What? But they're going to keep their online store open until they find a new location. Good. Well, the album, I forgot to ask the name of it. Sing, Dance, Drum. Okay, and that's at and the Indigenous PEI store. Indigenous so go get it. PEI store. And you'll see on the front cover, we have like 30 young people sitting on Cavendish Beach with huge smiles of all the accomplishments that they have. And we, we did it professionally. Like we had the the case done professionally so you open it up and you see more pictures of our young people and then the lists of songs it's it's a beautiful beautiful piece that we're super proud of we, we've got as we said at the beginning the national day for truth and reconciliation coming up is there any local music that that you know gets into that do you feel like there needs to be more in general and towards the day we well in my opinion, and I'm just saying that from what I've seen, the TRC day is really more a day of reflection, a more a day where we are going to have the flag lowering down at the government buildings in the morning. And it's a day just to sort of self-reflect on what it means to you, what it means to your community, what if you're not from the community, what it means to you to be an ally to the community. There's so many different things that are a part of that. And then all of a sudden the very next day is Treaty Day, and that's when the flags get raised at the government building, and we are having a half-day Mauiomi at the East Link Center where you can come and dance with us and sing with us and, and celebrate, and there's going to be feasts and there's going to be artisans set up so you can come and buy stuff right from the artisans. So it's going to be a big and amazing day, and that's where there's going to be drum groups, there's going to be singers, there's going to be music, there's going to be feasting. So the TRC day in itself is really, I find, more of a somber day. And I think we're, we might incorporate a little bit of traditional drumming during the event in the morning. 
But the next day, the next day, the, the treaty day is where we're just going to come out at 110 and invite everybody and anybody to come and join with us and be with us and share and celebrate in Treaty Day. Um, you had recommended to me, Dee Dee Austin. Uh, we're going to play her Buried Truth track in a little bit. But before we get to that, got to have this lady here. So um, I, I was looking over um, some of your stuff, and as we talked about it, um, we decided we're going to play a track that you're going to have to explain. <laughs> because when I first looked at the title, I was like, what? Uh, MMIWG2S. So... Would you like to set that up for Oh, us? my goodness, yes. <laughs> there was a group of women in a basement that would share our stories and our feelings and our emotions, and then finally the government stepped in and came with notepaper and took notes on all of our thoughts. And the first thing that really came out of all of these meetings across Canada that I was a part of was our missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls and Two-Spirited. About four or five years ago, we were asked to create a song that would become a song that would ensure that these voices, these spirits would live on and they wouldn't be forgotten. It isn't something that I can say many, many years ago, this was an issue. It's still an issue today. And so this song was created as a way to make sure that the dialogue kept happening, that we don't let this disappear. We don't let these women disappear. We keep fighting for the truth. We keep fighting for them to be found. We keep fighting for answers as to how to prevent this horrible tragedy to keep happening and replaying over and over and over. So we need to continue to be able to, as a musician, as an artist, be able to create something that in some small way will keep that discussion happening. And we want to remember, and it's so important that you're doing it through music. Exactly. This is MMIWG2S here on Altoons. This has been Julie Pellissier Lush. Thank you so much. I'm so honored that you're here. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> Far, far from their home, they 
The Mi'kmaq Heritage Actors with their original song known by the acronym MMIWG2S, or Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls and Two-Spirit, on Altoons. You know that phrase, those who cannot remember the past are doomed to repeat it? Yeah, that. Now, for the October 15th episode, I had the chance to rap with rapper Right Flow about his then-new EP, Into the Abyss. Mr. Flow spends as much time as a psychology student at UPEI as he does in front of the mic, and he also spoke about his experiences in his native port Harcourt and what brought him to the island. Right Flow may be young, but he's got a damn good head on his shoulders, and I found his story and attitude inspiring. From episode 10, I once again present to you Right Flow. All right, now in the Isle Tunes studios, also known as my basement, is a gentleman whose musical journey began as a heartbroken 14-year-old. And that journey, uh, which also included coming to Prince Edward Island from Nigeria, makes its latest stop with Into the Abyss, his new EP, coming out this Friday, October 20th. I am thrilled to have Right Flow joining me right here in the studio. Thank you so much for sitting down with me in the microphones. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you here. Uh, We have something in common uh, in that I also wrote my first song when I was 14. (laughs) Um, Tell us about that experience. It happened in your brother's friend's basement, didn't it? Yeah. So I kind of just came to see my brother. You know, he goes to UPI and he's uh, his friend had like studio equipment for making music or whatever. And I'm like, sure. Let me just hop on this. You know, we were bored. And at that time, I I was listening to a lot of Jewish World. And, you know, I just kind of followed his style of making music, kind of connected it to what was really just going on in my life because I was, you know, dealing with some uh, emotional, you know, em- uh, I was emotional about, you know, the heartbreak at such a young age, kind of struggling with depression there. And, you know, I just try to get it all out there, you know, get it off my chest through making music and I did that you know uh subconsciously and it was just for fun at first I gave uh you know the song to people to listen to like I just made this you know from my brother's friend's basement and everyone was like this is so cool you should like release it you should become a full-on artist or whatever so that's how it all started that is what art is you know art is self-expression I was able to express myself in the way I wanted to and I I I put that in my music and that's what, you know, being an artist is expressing yourself genuinely through your art. Yeah. That's exactly what being an artist is. And it has been said that your lyrics do overall reflect your experiences with love and heartbreak, but also with the struggles of uh, growing up in Port um, Harcourt in Nigeria. Uh, Would you like to tell us about that? Yeah. Growing up in Port Harcourt was very, very tough, you know, from just being in a third world country generally, was very tough and I was in the south side and it was basically the roughest city in the whole country the country has like 200 and something million people and being in the heart of you know the violence the poverty the struggle was generally kind of what made me who I am today based on like character wise you know the things I had to do just to survive the way we had to move you know just daily life activities all that comes together, you know, in building oneself, one's character. Is that part of what brought you to the island? How long have you been here? I've been here for just two years. And yeah, what brought me to the island is basically looking for a better life, safer environment to learn. You know, just try to get away from all that. Try to get a degree while I'm here. 
basically that's the main reason I'm here for school. And then I also started pursuing my career as an artist. And you've got a new EP being released Friday. So what can fans of rap and hip hop expect from Into the Abyss? And how is this album different from or similar to your previous work? It's kind of the same uh, style of music and the way I've been singing. Uh, previous to my former EP, Right Flow Unleashed. The only difference is I'm trying to be more professional with my art, be more creative with the pictures I post, the videos I make, the quality of music I you know produce and I let out there. And it's still in the sense of the emo rap, you know, uh, bringing in the emotional and the melodic flow of rap. Everything is going to be in the EP. Is there going to be an album launch performance for this or other shows supporting uh, Into the Abyss? Yeah, I'm uh, getting a live show at uh, Crafts Beer and I'm trying to get in contact with Baba's Lounge, you know, to get a performance after the EP is released. We're also trying to do a show on campus in UPI. Well, good. I'm glad there's some. There's going to be some shows coming up in Baba's. Get in touch with this guy. <laughs> Got to nail that one down. Yeah, it's all about connecting with the fans. You know, you have to find your audience. You have to find the people that connects with you. Because I feel if you're doing something from the heart, it's much easier to do that, you know, in the long run. Because if you're doing something you don't want to do or you're doing something that, you know, that's not you, you're not going to, you know, feel like doing it in the next 10 to 5 years from now because it's only so long we could pretend to be who we are not and that's the thing about music because it's a long game not everyone makes it people give up at the early stages people give up when they you know get their first breakthrough and what makes uh people different in the industry just perseverance you know you gotta just keep your head down and keep pushing on you know, even if the results are not there in the beginning, but you still got to keep going, you know. Right Flow, uh, whose new EP, Into the Abyss, drops this Friday, October 20th. And now you're going to be treated to a sneak preview from one of its tracks, Come Home. Right Flow, I'm so grateful that we got a chance to have this chat today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
success, that's what I'm waiting for My family's health, my family's strength is what I'm praying for Girl, I really think you like me, what you playing for? What's your purpose, what's your goal, what are you aiming for? Don't try to take me for a fool, what do you take me for? Trying to make my family rich, that's what I'm fighting for Now this girl wanna hang around me cause she messed with me Like didn't you just say you hate me like a day before? Girl, you did a whole 180, what you changing for? Cause you know I'll never like you like the way before I'm a virgin girl, I've never gotten laid before Real love, something I've never obtained before I don't get it, could you please try to explain it more? Learning how to make a song is what I'm training for I'm the only person that you put the blame on Like I'm Johnny from Fantastic Four, I'm flaming on I swear I've done the same flow on a thousand songs Well now I guess it's one thousand and one songs Right Flow coming home to iTunes with Come Home from his Into the Abyss EP. For the record, or cassette, or CD, or MP3, or whatever format you use to listen to music, all of the interviews you've heard so far have expanded video versions posted up on the Altoons Patreon page. It's the PEI music artists you love, only more of them. And so far, there are nine such interviews available for your viewing pleasure, in addition to footage of two live performances from The Funk. You can become a subscriber for only $5 a month, which is the same as buying a carton of eggs, but eggs won't give you island only content plus any and all proceeds coming from subscriptions go directly toward producing these podcast episodes can an egg do that patreon.com slash iltunes and i've got six more interviews about to hatch there's just only so much time in a day and editing videos can be time consuming suffice it to say i'm continuing to sit on them to keep them warm so take what you want from that you know this fella because he's had a ton of albums out over the past 15 years, both as a solo artist and the band leader of Haunted Hearts. He released an album of duets with Kinley, and if nothing else, you've seen him holding down the fort at Back Alley Music. This description would only fit Dennis Ellsworth, and I managed to catch him just as he was splitting town for a series of shows supporting his brand spanking new album, Modern Hope, in early November. Indeed, from episode lucky number 13, or November 5th for those who follow more traditional calendars, here's my chat with Dennis Ellsworth, which, like all the other chats you're hearing tonight, was exclusive to Altoons. Now, as I promised, I have for you an island artist with a long history of creating songs that mix rock and roll, power pop, and alt country. He's recorded solo and with Haunted Hearts, and his work has made it into TV shows like Heartland and the film The New Romantic. He's made 10 albums since 2009, and his latest, which came out on October 20th, is Modern Hope, something we all need right now. Um, he is Dennis Ellsworth, and he's here with me on iTunes. Hi, Dennis. <laughs> Uh, thank you for taking you a moment doing? out. I'm fine. Thank you for taking a moment out to chat with me. I know you've got a slew of off-island promo shows coming up. In fact, you're pretty. You're out the door to head to the first one, right? Yeah, I'm on my way to Fredericton area. Okay, so it's my understanding that you began writing songs in high school. Um, as a matter of fact, so did I. Um, how did that lead to putting out your first record, and when did that happen? 
Well, I I was in a band in high school, so I I wrote I wrote songs, I wrote lyrics for that band, and I was the singer. But we never actually released anything other than one song on a compilation, and that was it. Then we stopped. I moved to Edmonton for a while. I bought a four track, and I started making demos. Um, but again, I didn't release anything until I joined a band called the Rude Mechanicals in university. Mm. With so Todd McLean. With, yeah, with, with Todd McLean. That's right. Uh, I wrote songs with that band and we re- we released three albums. And I don't know. I just kind of kept on. Once that band broke up, I kept on going. I put together uh, a band when I was living in Toronto to play songs that I was writing. And we called ourselves Battery Point which is where I grew up in Stratford area. So out of that, out of that band in Toronto, I released my first solo record called Chesterfield Dweller of the Year. Oh, okay. So what year was that? The album actually came out as Battery Point in 2007. It was a very limited, very like handmade, very limited release. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, and then later on when I moved back to Prince Edward Island, my father actually said, this is a really great album. You should release it. You should make a broader release of this. So I did, but I, I put it out as Dennis Ellsworth. Um, and it was called Chesterfield Dweller of the Year. And I think that came out in 2010, which which actually is after Haunted Hearts. So Haunted Hearts released two albums. And then I finally put my 2007 record out as a solo album. Haunted Hearts was another band that I put together when I moved back from Toronto. We started in 2008 um, and our first record came out in 2009. And then our second record came out in 2010. And then we recorded a third one, but it never came out. I was going to ask if if we were ever going to see a third one. Well, you never know. You might still. We, we still talk. We still play. Actually, we're playing a show in January. Oh, that's cool. I'll have to make a note of that. Yeah. We're playing a Copper Bottom show in on January 13th, I believe. There was uh, a push originally during COVID to get back together, uh, and we did write some new songs, but then it just sort of fizzled out again. Uh, everybody's really busy, and you know, it's it's a weird thing to do to try to resurrect a band that nobody has thought of for a long time. Mm. Well, I mean, you've you've got fans, and if you already have some recorded material, it's not like you know you'd have to go back into the studio for it. No, we would. We were, we recorded uh, 17 or 18 songs uh, around 2012, but the session got erased by accident. Oh, it, no. was a, it was a, yeah, it was a tragic studio affair. Um, so we had, and it wasn't that everything got erased. It was just that certain tracks didn't make it over on a transfer. So when we opened the session up, stuff like the kick drum mic was missing in the mix or like the overheads were missing and there was no way for us to really salvage it. So we just walked away from it and thought maybe we should try again sometime. And then we never did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can understand that. Wow. What that, that sucks that, that uh, not all the recordings survived. You know, you're, you're very prolific. Uh, 10 albums in 15 years. That's territory approaching Prince. <laughs> Uh, you also pulled a Prince in that your last offering was a, a triple album, uh, Bound by Love. Uh, Prince was always trying to 
record triple albums. Now, two weeks ago, of course, you released your latest collection, Modern Hope. How is this album different from the rest of your catalog? And are there indeed themes of hope intertwining through it? Oh, absolutely. The album's definitely hopeful. It's more, it's, there's something about it. It feels like a sur- there's survival, a survival record or something, which is basically what we've all done for the last number of years. Yeah. Um, and the songs, the songs were written in February, January, February, um, and March of 2022. You know, and I, and I think that once I sort of got a a sense of a theme for the songs that I was writing, I kept it going, and I didn't do it consciously. I just, it was just what was coming out. So, you know, I, I do think that there is a lot of hope in the record. And it, and to answer your question about how it how it relates to my other material, uh, the way that it was recorded, the the live off the floor aspect of it, it has a real feel to it, which I I think is something that my earlier records had, because that's how and that's how the Haunted Hearts records were made. They were made all live off the floor, a band playing in a room, you know. But this Modern Hope was the first record I'd ever made in the West on the west coast it was recorded in vancouver at what what used to be called mushroom studios legendary studio in canada oh wow that, as i mentioned off the top you have several shows in support of the album uh happening in new brunswick and nova scotia um outside of the launch for modern hope that happened a couple weeks ago on release day are you planning any further pei concerts well i am actually i just announced one yesterday i'm going to play a show at the lower montague women's institute hall oh, cool. um yeah, on the 24th of November. As a boy, my grandparents, their house was right across the road from that hall. And my grandfather farmed the fields there, right next door to that hall. So there's like a real special connection to that uh, land for me. So, And I've never really played a show there. Well, um, Modern Hope is out now on CD and colored vinyl. That's really cool. Um, So look for those on Bandcamp. I'm going to let you get on the road, Dennis. I'm profusely grateful to you for having you coming here on iTunes, especially when you've got so much going on. Uh, My pleasure. My my pleasure. Since we're living in a world where we can all use as much hope as we can get, (laughs) I'm going to play y'all Modern Hope, the title track of an album. I'm sure will have quite the impact in the coming weeks and months. Drive safely. Drive safely, Dennis, and keep in touch. Thank you. I will. Russia's planning missile testing somewhere off the Irish coast. Hearts are breaking every hour for Mother Nature's ghost. Wasting away Trying to sort out What to post Chances are The dreamers are still dreaming We all know That's never gonna change So I'm
Fave Dennis Ellsworth with the title track of his new album Modern Hope, available on jaunty yellow vinyl, by the by. Well, you guys, 2023 is almost over, and so is this special interview recap episode, so let's finish both off right. This young lady started writing songs when most of her peers were trying to figure out which brat stall they liked better. She followed up last year's debut track, Jealous, with the freshly released Master Plan, both of which touch on the subject of mental health. Julia Robichaud, who was just nominated as Music PEI's New Artist of the Year, sat down with me before being bestowed that honor for the November 26th episode of All Tunes, that being number 16, if you're keeping track. Here's Julia! Now, if you like your island music fresh than fresh, I have got for you. And I can say that because the artists I have with me in the Altoon studio, otherwise known as my basement, um, just released her second song on Friday. Now, to flip it, she's just 21 or 22? 22. 22. But she's been writing songs for 18 years. Mm-hmm. So she brings quite a bit to the musical table. She is Julia Robichaud here with me to talk about her new song, Master Plan, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Welcome, Julia. And Thank you for sitting down for an interview on the short notice it ended up being. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, thank you for having me. <laughs> Glad to have you here. Now, I want to get further into this. Um, if you've been coming up with your own songs for 18 years and you're 22, mm-hmm. then you started when you were four. Five. Five. Yeah. Okay, but still, that's pretty early. So tell the listeners about your early childhood journey and what inspired you to take up music at such a young age. Oh, okay. <laughs> so... Um, it's gonna, it's gonna start off like a sad story, but I promise it's, it's okay. It's gonna be better. So like my dad passed away when I was like four and a half, five. And, um, after he passed was when I actually got into music. Um, and it was actually, do you know the song by Josh Groban, You Raise Me Up? Yes. Okay. That was the song that made me a songwriter because they played it on the radio for the first time and I was in my mom's room and I just remember I was like, I started crying because it was just like such a beautiful song. And then it, it was like, there was like a sunset outside. I know I'm five. How could I remember any of this? I don't know. Stuff either. like that sticks. Exactly. Really exactly, exactly. And then that's why I wrote my first song. Um, and I think I wrote the lyrics on the back of like a, a, a toy money bill. <laughs> <laughs> like with crayon. I hope you so still bad. have it. That would be so cool. No, oh, man. probably not. And so that's kind of when I started writing. And then I finished that song when I was six. 
Um, and then I would have like gap years where I would have like writer's block and, you know, because elementary school was hard sometimes. Yeah. And and then I would keep writing and then I got into it fully because I wanted it to be like a full time career in grade seven. Wow. So grade seven was when I started like writing in class and I'd be writing during recess. And when I get home from school, um, you know, like a lot of my friends, they would like go out with their family or out with your friends on the weekend. I would go home in my room, play guitar and just like write. And this was by the age of 13. And I started doing gigs around that age too. Um, like just Kaylee's or talent shows. And I was like very much ridiculed a lot, mainly by the boys in my class. Cause they were jocks and they'd be like, we hate you, Julia, cause you're bad at sports. And I'd be like, I know. I went through the exact same thing. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And so I was just like completely, I'm going to write a song about how much you hate me. And so that's what I would do. And they'd be like, we hate you even more. And I'm like, me too. And so (laughs) in high school, I did more gigs. And then I did musical theater um, because I also have um, a degree in musical theater from the School of Performing Arts. So I graduated from uh, SOPA for theater in 2020 and then I just graduated the music performance program in May of last year so yeah I've been doing this my entire life yeah for sure but I didn't start making it like um like recording music until last year that was the next question about what made you decide to finally put your music out (laughs) another story about bullying okay um college I find is very was much more difficult than high school in high school I was very naive I really loved high school I had good friends and then in college especially when you're in a entertainment program everybody is competing with each other even if they don't think they are they're mentally competing and so I noticed a lot especially in the music program and it's not like this anymore and I'm very overprotective of the people who are still in it like even the first years they know me my name most of them because I'm like are you okay are you doing good is anyone hurting you I will make you cookies I'll make you friendship bracelets take care of yourself please and um because for me it was really hard because it was very clicky because of that people treated me differently as a performer because they'd be like oh this is more of a mellow song and you're just kind of out there doing a bit too much because you're a performer and I felt really left out and I felt like I was trapped and I would spend most of my nights not sleeping and just kind of like having like fear of missing out like FOMO because I'd be like okay well I don't feel normal I don't I don't feel like the other people in my class who are doing all these amazing things they're recording all this music they're getting their name out there they're going to all these big schools and I'm here been doing this since I was 12 professionally and I still haven't done anything. So that's when I sat down on the floor and I started writing the song Jealous and just kind of being like, I'm very jealous of all of my classmates for doing all these amazing things and I just feel trapped in my room and I can't sleep and I'm going through all this like mental health stuff that no one really understands because it's very, um, like the stigma around it in the music industry mm-hmm. is, is, is there, it's there. So um, that's why I wrote it and... My friends at the time went through Colin Buchanan, who's my music producer, and he did an amazing job. He's an amazing producer. I call him Magic Music Wizard Man to his face, too. And I just, like, watch him, like, press all these buttons, and I'm like, how do you? Wow. It's amazing, man. 
And he's like, I know, right? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he owns it. I like exactly. That. And he produces for like Logan Richard and Kiara and Kinley Dowling. So he does it for a lot of artists on the island. I've definitely heard the name. And so um, I, I messaged him on Instagram and I'm like, hey, um, you produce songs for like three of my friends. That was my phone dropping <laughs> for three of my friends. And I just like, do you like mind doing this? And so he usually asks to hear a demo first because he wants to see if like the sound kind of fits with what he makes. Right. So and my my sound is more of like a mainstream pop rock kind of like a punk vibe. So it was definitely something that he's worked on kind of before. But I was like, I want squealy guitars. I want it to be hardcore. I want you to like scream it in the car. okay? And so he really brought that out when making it. And that's how Jealous was created. And that's how I became, you know, more of a musician. I do sense. hear all that in yeah, Jealous, and yeah. I, I love that track, and I, I like the uh, new track, Master Plan, as well. I mean, for one thing, mm-hmm. they both do have that type of pop sound that we don't hear too much on the mm-hmm. island for whatever reason. <laughs> um, uh, for another thing, they're both lyrical responses to struggles with mental health, uh, for which you're an advocate. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about what went into, uh, I mean, you, you talked about Jealous a yep. little bit already, but um, in terms of uh, Master Plan, um, what about the messages you've layered into that? So I kind of like to think of Master Plan as Jealous Part 2. It's kind of the same um, meaning behind it, but it's more of before and after. Jealous is before when you are naive and you don't know why people are treating you this way. And you're like, okay, well, maybe I'm the problem. Um, Master Plan is finding out that you weren't the problem. It was the other people. And where you're kind of like, oh, they never liked me. They didn't want me to do all these good things. And so Master Plan was written more like a, <laughs> okay, like, <laughs> F you. No, not really, not really. Um, there is one F-bomb in there. Yes, in every single chorus, my mom does not approve. But <laughs> and she's here in the studio. Yeah. Hi, Jackie. <laughs> we do F-bombs on iTunes, but we do preface yeah, them. So. The yeah. I think discussing mental health in the music industry is one of the most important things that I like to talk about. Because this is not talked about enough. And yes, people are trying to end the stigma for mental health in general, which is what needs to happen. But in the music industry, people can label you as as like several different things if you talk about mental health. That's why I like to talk about it so openly is because I don't want people to, you know, feel like they're the only ones. Like you are not the only one. Like you are never alone. You like, like do not, like don't be scared. Like, it's okay. I have it too. We're all messed up in our own way. And so <laughs> exactly, you know, so I have my own mental health struggles, yeah. you know, and yeah. I like to use the word s- struggling with and not suffering from exactly, because yeah. I feel like it's all about the, the words, mm-hmm. you know, saying I suffer from implies I'm a victim exactly. and saying so I struggle with I grapple with mm-hmm. I battle at least shows I'm I'm here I'm making an effort I'm not gonna let it take me down yeah. I think the words are very important that's why I also don't say my depression mm-hmm. my anxiety I say the yeah. because I, because I'm not gonna own yeah. it, and it I mean that's for everyone yeah too. I mean that's me that's the way I do it but mm-hmm. that I found that that keeps it separate 
Yeah. And it, it doesn't become part of my identity. I mean, exactly. it, it's part of me, but it's not part of who And especially I am. because of COVID. That is when a lot of people started struggling with mental health more. And that's the same with talking about mental health. I want people to feel safe with me. And I make sure to t- say this in every single interview, every single application of bio is that I want to make a warm and safe environment for everybody on my platforms and talking. I want them to feel that they don't need to be different people around me they don't need to be you know scared to talk to me that they should feel like at home with my music and at home with just being themselves and because you know I feel like that when I listen to music where I feel safe and you know comforted and I want people to have the same feeling yeah so yeah it's my motto (laughs) but (laughs) but yeah yeah. And I'm very grateful yeah. to have you here. This is awesome. I'm grateful that you have me this here. This is so awesome. <laughs> and I've been talking with up-and-coming artist Julia Robichaux here on Isle Tunes. And now it is time to play her newest cut that's only been out two days. Oh, my God. Two. <laughs> I'm excited. It's Master Plan, <laughs> and I'm so honored to be able to put it into the ears of Islanders mm-hmm. where it belongs. Thank you, Julia, <laughs> for having Thank this you. chat with me. Isle Tunes F-Bomb Alert! So tired of this energy, can't you see? I'm tired, so tired. You write the books like you must have gone to therapy, but you're lying. I'm finding out you must have wrote me as the villain with, with all, all their daddy, daddy issues. She's a mess, can't be forgiven. forgiven. Oh, call me a freak show, and I'm a disappointment. No meds in my system, waiting for my mind to break. They think I'm a psycho, Michael. Breaking all the rules cause who the fuck is gonna take me as I am Damn, you never really knew me Telling them I'm so intense Guess I gotta be the man Damn, taking all the money I'll kill you with my master plan And I wish I could go back to when we first met Cause I'd stay away while you reciprocate And all those words that you swore you would never say Would you lie to me and I can see I'm a witness in your petty little crimes You're standing at the court, they give you one to five You look me in the eyes and say I I never never liked you anyway anyway. I'm a disappointment, no meds in my system Waiting for my mind to break They think I'm a psycho, Michael Breaking all the rules cause who the fuck is gonna take Me as I am, damn You never really knew me, telling them I'm so intense Yes, I gotta be the man, damn Taking all the money, I'll kill you with my mask Taking all the money. 
Frobisher, setting down her musical master plan on Altoons. I've got a master plan too for this podcast. Acquire even more island music from a wider range of artists and from a wider span of time. If you want to help me do that, send your suggestions to amj at altoons.ca or leave a voice message at 902-807-4250. The same goes if you want to provide a recording of yourself saying an islandism. This week's utterance was uttered by Gordon Cobb. You can follow Altoons on both Facebook and Instagram, where I make a regular habit out of posting links to sources where you can buy the music you hear on the podcast. These artists don't just make music out of the goodness of their hearts, though that certainly is part of it. Add some of what appeals to you to your personal collections and give them a reason to smile. That's going to do it for not only this special year-end interview-based retrospective, but for 2023 in general. Holy frag! Next week, Altoons returns to its usual musical format, and you can look forward to cuts by Port Citizen, Akadilak, and 30 Russell. Got a couple of new interviews lined up for January as well, so prepare your ears for that. And there's something called YouTube that I hear podcasts become available on. Tell everyone you know on the island about Altoons and let's get this show into as many ears as possible. Musical contribution to the Altoons theme by Kaylin McCauley and John Hashem. Show concept by Rocky O'Neill. I'm your host, Adam Michael James, and Blackjack, that's episode 21. I've got a couple more aces up my podcaster sleeve for the new year, so I hope you'll continue to listen. You ain't heard island music till you've heard Altoons. Catch y'all in the new year. In the meantime, be good. And if you can't be good, be good at it. See you next week. <laughs>